Longer ago than it feels sometimes, a wanderer set off to find the voice in her head. A decade ago, a lost traveler was returned to her family. A year ago, a village survived a drought thanks to an underground spring located by a stranger. A month ago, a commander of the Aurora Legion was told a trio of adventurers had found his home's salvation. Weeks ago, a tidal navigator found a new crew. And a few minutes ago, 12 human beings found each other, as far from home as they'd ever been, and prepared to confront a power that could destroy them with a thought. Tissa was certain that she merely rode history's arrow. What she didn't understand was that she, even in her own small way, was steering it. Welcome to Sword of Symphonies. I'm Kathleen, and since I did those words, I'm going to do these ones too. With me today are Kat, whose words come through divine right. Hi! Kirsten, whose words embody the divine mystery. Hello. <laughs> you sound so confused. <laughs> and no gods, no kings, only Nick. Yeah, I can live with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, excellent. A plus. Best intro. It's a good intro. Hardly any. Wait a second. The the only minor screw up in that intro was me. I'm starting to worry that I'm the problem, you guys. No, you're just you're just realizing how much power you have in ruining the intro. Oh, that's good. Come to the dark side, cat. <laughs> yeah, just, just start deliberately slam dunking the intros. Okay. Start deliberately ruining the intros and the outros. That's a beautiful thought when you think about it. The power to ruin things is in your own hands, and if you just kind of grasp it and hold it close and recognize that it's part of you and that it can be as precious as every other part of you, it's kind of liberating. It's not just a byproduct of the ways in which you have friction with your surroundings, but it's a choice you make and that you claim as part of your existence in this world. That's that's extremely beautiful. It's a lot deeper than I've thought about it. I just like doing it. <laughs> <laughs> because you make the funny noise. It's thematic. It's what this uh, arc is all about, is how that you yourself can defeat a demon, hopefully. We haven't done that yet. <laughs> we haven't done that yet. We're working on it. So previously on Sword of Symphonies, Cobb, Tissa, and Penelope entered the rock sitting at the mouth of the Silver River during the very special time prophesied by a not-at-all suspicious creature, which they later discovered was the lesser daemon Atuila, who refers to herself as the left hand of the countess. Um, they are now in a nearly infinite uh, pretend treasure hoard and just kind of gathering children who don't like or respect them. They encountered the treasure hunter, Lily Stageport, who is looking for a knife which is a significant part of the legend passed down in these parts. And she's found some legitimate treasure in among the stones. Did I miss anything? Uh, it's most of it. Um, Cobb put down a beacon so that we won't get lost. Oh, and yeah. we said, okay, everyone look for the knife and then meet back together to confront the demon, whether or not we have it. Yep. We're looking for treasure. We're looking for treasure. Okay. I suppose it's it's a very serendipitous that we found a treasure hunter. It is. Yeah. I mean, 
it's a legend about a hidden treasure hoard. I don't know if it's serendipitous so much as pretty obvious that you'd find a treasure hunter in a place like this. But either way, it's time to look for treasure. So my question for you guys is how look for treasure? I imagine you guys have different approaches for this. How find? So how shiny are the rocks? Like, do they just kind of have, like, a luster to them, or do they actually shine like metal? If you pick one up and look at it closely, it looks like a piece of granite with, like, a real high quartz content. Okay. So it has a lot of flakes close to the surface that reflect light and glitter. Okay. But, like, if, say, they're, if you did actually, for example, shine a lantern on them, it, they would not they would not shine like metal. No, they don't shine exactly like metal. They shine more like yeah, like glitter. When you look closely, you see it's a lot of little facets. All right, well, Cobb has an idea, then. He's going to use his lantern and basically just kind of, you know, trapes it over the rock piles and see if actual, like, metal glints back. Okay. So that's obviously a sensitivity role, but what kind of skill are you using for that? Well, let's see. What kind of skills would Cobb have that would help him here? Does Cobb happen to have finance? Cobb does not have finance. Which makes sense for his character, because he is very bad oh, with yeah, money. Oh, yeah, because he hates having money, <laughs> right. But he loves getting money. He loves getting money, and he loves spending money. Yeah. I actually have an idea that might, if it, I was thinking, I know tactics is usually used for, like, battle tactics, but could I use the tactics to kind of, like, help with the search, like, make a search pattern kind of thing and give people maybe a bonus to their searches? You know, actually, I like that. That's a, you're using your knowledge of strategy to organize a search. Sounds good to me. All right. So I'm going to do understanding tactics. Mm. Yeah, okay. Understanding tactics. Yeah. I was going to make you do adaptability, but. Oh, I can do that too. Because that makes sense. Because I'm, I'm playing off the, playing on the fly. Yeah, this is an unusual use of your knowledge of tactics. This is you kind of winging it. So, yeah. All right. Um, two successes and an edge success. Okay. I'm going to keep that in mind. Um, I'm going to ask, Cobb, have you decided on what skill? Um, Cobb is going to use sensitivity focus because he's, he's just going to look really hard and try and, like, really get into to looking for this. Okay. So he's he's going he's gonna to be a little preoccupied with things. Okay, so before we get to that role, what Tissa do? Um, Tissa's actually a little bit less worried about the knife and more worried about the space right now. And I was thinking maybe understanding tracking to see if I can get a sense of how things move through the donuts and maybe uh, get some sense of like, what directions we might be able to go or return to when the confrontation happens. Okay. So I think the first thing we're going to resolve is Cobb looking for treasures. Cobb look for treasures real good. Time to roll them dice. Go, go. I got one success, which eh, is not bad. I rolled a very average roll. You rolled a very average roll. Let's see. You got two successes, right, Kirsten? I did two, two success and one edge. Yeah, so here's what I'm going to do. All the kids are going to be rolling two dice. Mm. One for each success you have done in successfully organizing them. Nice. They're not good. Mm. 
They're actually rolling a lot of threes. <laughs> okay. So let's see here. Cobb, with your success, you spot something with an unusual stony luster. It looks kind of like an old amulet or pendant. It's got rough wire work around it in gold and is a large piece of amber. Huh. The translucent glow is quite easy for you to spot in the lantern light. Well, not exactly what we're looking for, but Cobb's going to pick it up and take it along with him because, I mean, might as well. No one else is using it. And um, two of the kids come back with um, similar items to the one that Lily showed you, kind of pieces of beaten metal with mm -hmm. semi-precious stones inlaid in them. These one's turquoise. And they both found them in roughly the same area, actually, not far from where Cobb found his amulet. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think, Tessa? And Cobb's going to toss the amulet over to her. Does this look familiar to you? Does it feel weird? I don't know. Hmm. It's unique among all the rocks out there at the very least, and it looks precious. It might have just been a necklace of some sort, but we're in a weird spot, so I'm thinking maybe there's more to this than meets the eye. So uh, that's two successes for sensitivity focus. Amber is peculiar in a couple ways. One of them is amber kind of always, when you really focus on it, feels like a forest. Mm -hmm. It's a product of the trees and it never truly leaves the forest, no matter how far away it is. And so there's something about this that just smells like dew and leaves. The other thing, though, is that this amber has been here for a very long time. It almost feels as if it's put down roots. It's been here for ages and ages. So this was probably brought here long, long, long ago. How many pieces of turquoise was there again? Two. Two and one ember. Okay. I'm actually going to see if I can roll it like a tinkering roll to see if they belong to the, if there's any like fastening that they might belong to the same piece of jewelry. Oh. Um, I guess that'd be a sensitivity tinkering. Yeah, go for it. Oh, it's unusual to me. I only got one edge success. Yeah, I don't think one edge success is going to tell you much about these. Mm -hmm. It's not something I normally. Yeah. yeah. I think we should all go over to the general area where stuff was found. There's a series of dunes. There's two or three next to each other that um, almost uh, almost seem dusty. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's where the kids said they found their pieces. Lily kind of mutely points to one of the dunes. Um, Pollyanna nods, uh, Penelope nods. I should keep track of how many times. Ding! <laughs> Fun game at home. Um, uh, Penelope nods. I nodded in, in real person, and then I realized this is a podcast. I need to... <laughs> it, plays, it plays very well for the listeners at home. Sweetheart, darling, Kirsten. <laughs> um... Speaking of which, though, Polly is there. I think she recognizes that people are kicking through the rocks, so she's kind of kicking at them a little bit, but that's... Mm -hmm. And she has one One of the, the young uh, kid is, is on her back. Yeah, there's a little riding on her. So, I, um, yeah, we start heading over towards cautiously. Does Polly have a saddle? I've just, I've realized I've never really thought about it. Nope. Fair enough. Sometimes I'll fasten a blanket, but... Which I probably did for the little, to make it a little bit more comfy. Did you bring it? 
Because don't forget, you and Polly came here separately. Oh, so then I didn't. No, I didn't. So... Yeah, Pollyanna left all your gear in the woods. Mm-hmm. She, <laughs> she's the worst at taking care of gear. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we kind of just ran off. Mm-hmm. Yep. And really, it's Penelope who's the worst at taking care of goods. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the words irresistible finding. Oh. Oh, I like those. Mm-hmm. What do you plan on doing with them? Well... I guess more than trying to find the knife, I'm trying to find what we need. Okay. Let's see. One scatter, you will find the knife. Mm-hmm. Two scatter, you'll find something else entirely. Interesting. You'll find another <laughs> knife. <laughs> um, well, now you've given me a mystery, and so I have to follow it. <laughs> That's Artisa. It's a fork. So you are rummaging in one of the dunes for the knife. And your hand is, when you cast this spell, drawn forward as if another hand has reached out to take yours and pull it. And what you brush up against is something soft and smooth and completely invisible to the eye, but... What you run into feels like a silken veil. Oh. And it is like a large area in front of you, not far from this dune, that feels like fine fabric. Hmm. And this is just like, is it something that I can pick up and move? Or is this the like, something about this area is all this fabric? It is definitely something that you can feel. It is larger than you can pick up and move. Okay. Everybody. Oh, what's up, Tissa? I didn't find the knife, but I did find a scarf. And then she gestures at the thing that no one can see. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't see anything. Oh. Um, here, no, no, but come over here. Okay. And grab at this right here. Penelope watches where Tissa's hand goes and feels around. Does she feel it as well? Yeah, you feel it too. It is as if the area is enclosed by a curtain. Ooh. We should go inside, I think. Like, are you getting any, anything from it, Tissa? Um, I'm not getting actually, I... No, wait, I know this is one success on sensitivity focus, but like, I don't know what this thing is, but it's here. And I think this is one of the stranger things about this place so far, because it's not as big as it should be this place. Mm-hmm. And now we've got something that's covering something up. So... Is it like hanging, like as if it was a sheet hanging from the a ceiling kind of thing? or That's kind of what it feels like, but it's not like straight vertical either. There's a slight arc to it. Ooh. Here, why don't we see how long it goes? Um, do you feel an end on that side? Uh, um... The answer is no, by the way. Neither of you can feel an end. Hmm. 
I start to kind of like work my way away from Tissa. Two successes and one edge on sensitivity tracking. Can that get me anything? On sensitivity tracking? Yeah. Okay. Um, I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. How on the ball have you been about your chalk trail? Ooh, I'd like to say I, w- I was great about it, but I think Penelope lost track after we got kind of enclosed. What if we spend more of the survival pool and say that we were on the ball? Maybe we can say that we had one of the kids in charge of that. Mm-hmm. Sure. That's a great use of survival pool. Yeah, I'd absolutely allow that. Because I've just realized upon re-listening to the recent episode that you guys had a pretty big survival pool on this one. Yeah, I am down for the survival chalk. What you can see when you look at the chalk trail is that it seems to like disappear into this veil and then reconnect elsewhere in lines that you guys figured were pretty much uninterrupted. Mm-hmm. It looks like... Um, Have you ever seen an image that's made specifically to tile seamlessly, like on the background of an old GeoCities webpage? (laughs) I wouldn't say those were seamless, but yes. Well, the good ones were. And that's kind of what it looks like. So it's almost like walking on a treadmill at this place. What's a treadmill? Yeah, what's a treadmill? Penelope wouldn't know that. Um, well, I don't know. I don't, no, no, play it, play with it. You didn't, you know what a treadmill is. Well, it's a, um, they don't use it anymore, but it's a barbaric form of prison. They would make people walk the treadmill, turn, turn, turn the wheel, step, 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 and work the grain mills. It's very hard. They would do it for hours, but it was a big circular cylinder that basically you would go nowhere, but it felt like you were walking for hours. Oh, that sounds horrible. It's true, too, actually. And that's apparently what they used to do mm-hmm. in English prisons. How do you know so much about prisons? Well, I don't necessarily know a lot about prisons, but some of the farmers I worked with knew that there were some mills that used this kind of thing in the past. Oh. That was not how they would uh, mill their grain, but they had heard about this practice. Yeah. Modern enlightened farmers just get high and watch YouTube. <laughs> mm-hmm. but um yeah it seems like the trail kind of vanishes into the veil and then reappears somewhere else so then your idea then maybe that this place somehow like repeats itself maybe yeah i think it must repeat itself it's hmm let's go let's go through the veil or we could have one person I can tie a rope to myself and then someone else could hold the other end and I can take a peek. Okay, we can try. Okay, so you are trying to lift the veil? Mm-hmm. Alrighty. So you reach out and take a handful of this smooth and slightly cool but invisible fabric around you. And as you get it pulled together in your fist to lift it, a section of it ripples near you. And you see a bulge form that then eventually can be seen um, not just as a ripple in the surroundings, but as an actual shape. And as it breaks free of the veil next to you, it takes 
a humanoid form. The veil is, at least here, deep scarlet in color, ruby red, trimmed with gold. And you see the form of the storyteller emerge from the nothing beside you. Hmm. Oh. Which one are you? I'm called Athwila, the left hand of the Countess. Mm. Penelope, are you still trying to get through the veil at this point? Mm. I think I was like half paused when I saw the ripple happen, so I probably got like some fabric in my hand and like looking at the left hand of the Countess. All right. She steps forward to you and lays a single one of her hands on your wrist and leans in close and locks eyes with you and her eyes are the same ruby red as the rest of her clothing. I close my eyes. And she waits and she says quietly, do you know how dark this place is when you pass that veil? How dark, how isolated, and how utterly alone. And I would like you to roll adaptability focus, please. Oh, dear. One success. That's not enough successes. That's not what I needed. You are frightened for the next three rounds. What frightened means is that you cannot act unless someone else is acting at the same time. Penelope starts humming a song that she used to sing when she was a kid, when she would get scared at night of the dark. And again, Penelope hates the dark and claustrophobic places. So, yeah, she's not having a good time. Her eyes are closed because she was did remember not to look in her eyes. But, yeah, she's not having a good time. And I think it's initiative time. Ooh. Not fantastic. Seven. Okay. Cobb got a 16 on his initiative. Big rolls for our big boy. Oh my god. Six. Bad rolls for our bad girl. Yep. Well, I guess it makes sense, actually. My initiative would not be great if I was afraid. Okay. The first person I am forcing to act is Penelope. And unless someone acts alongside Penelope, she will lose this turn. Tissa will rush up to her and try to make some space between the demon and her. And I don't know if that's an attack roll or... Actually, like, how do you want to play this, Kirsten? Do you want to attack? Do you want to... Like, move? Actually, so you're coming up to me and, like... Mm -hmm. uh, Okay, so I can feel your hand on my shoulder or something like that? Yeah. Okay, because my eyes were closed. Okay, I think once I feel... Tissa's hand on my shoulder. I'm still humming that song, but um, as I hum that song, I have the word encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, encouraging anchor. And what that is going to do, since Tissa used her hand like on my on her shoulder to calm me, that acts kind of like an anchor. Would it be possible to kind of like give her a perimeter of like a safety zone kind of thing like it's sort of like a people in her zone feel better like maybe prevent some scatter or like reduce something oh what if i add respite to it that can be respite colon the encouraging anchor Mm -hmm. okay i'm gonna give you two options here 
I'm going to give you either three or five scatter. Okay. For three scatter, you will create a space that one person can fit in. And while they are in this space, they can't be affected by mental effects. For five, that instead is centered on you. Oh, it's centered on me? Or on a person instead of being just like basically a circle in the ground. I'm going to do the five and I'm going to center it on Tissa because Tissa is the one that like anchored and calmed me. I'm going to go go hard at the beginning. So what is Tissa doing with turn aside from kind of creating space for Penelope? I'm turning it into a cord. I'm adding a respite. Oh, right. Of course. My apologies. Okay. Next thing we are doing is can I get an adaptability athletics from Cobb, please? All right, Cobb has two successes and two edge successes on that adaptability athletics check. So this is based on how much shortfall you have? Okay, how about this? Um, If you keep one of your edge successes, I'm going to also make Penelope roll. If you keep the second edge success, I'm also going to make Tissa roll. That being said, I'm measuring this against shortfall, so four is better than two. Uh, I think we're going to go with Cobb is just going to take all four of those successes. So he's going to he's going to take the two edge successes as well. So I would like adaptability athletics from Penelope and Tissa. Cobb takes one damage. Three successes. Okay. Only one success. Okay. The nearest dune to you, the one that Tissa and Penelope were kind of standing near when they were exploring the veil, rises into the air and moves suddenly in a brief flash of glittering quartz-heavy rocks that just blurs through the air and shifts into another position. Cobb takes one damage, Tissa takes two damage, Penelope takes four. Ooh, okay. You are not doing anything on this turn, which means the only person remaining is Cobb. Does that interrupt the spellcast at all? That does not. I'm letting you... Yeah, you guys can... Actually, there's one person who does need to roll for that, but not you guys. Cobb would do. Cobb is going to try and shoulder check uh, the left hand away from Penelope to try and get some distance between her and maybe interpose himself between his currently frightened comrade and this uh, strange silk demon. Okay, so I guess you're making a daring athletics roll? Yeah, I guess we are going with daring athletics then. Let's go. Okay, roll me some daring athletics. Cobb got two successes. Well, you've got her beat, so you managed to, like, tackle this, uh, this lesser daemon away from the rest of your party. And she is light, feather light, almost not even there the exception of the fact that she is, like the veil, smooth and cool to the touch, and something about her feels insubstantial and absent. Are you, like, bearing her to the ground or just giving her a good shove away? Cobb is just getting her out of the way. He's not trying to do serious damage or anything like that. He's not trying to tackle her. Yeah. Uh, He's just trying to get her out of the way. Okay. So, next up is Penelope's turn. You can only act if you are either, like, in contact with Tissa or if someone else acts this turn. By the way, it's a new round. Okay. In contact, like, meaning, like, I have to be touching her? 
Yes. You decided to center this effect on Tissa. So. Yes. Um, did we move? I know um, the dune came, so I guess that would mean that we're not directing contact anymore. Yeah, you got knocked around a little bit by rocks. All right. Well, looks like I am, because I got knocked over, I got scared and I start humming that song to myself again. Cobb hasn't gone yet. Can he jump in here right now? Yep. All right. In that case, then Cobb is going to extend a hand down to Penelope and be kind of like, come on, get up. We need you. In that case, if he's right there, what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to... Are you guys okay with me saying we brought something like matches or something? Spend a survival pool point? Yeah, we've got lanterns. I figured we have something like that. I light an arrow on fire and I shoot it at the curtain. Oh. Okay. <laughs> All right. Roll me daring ranged weapons. Two successes. And an edge success. Okay. So the more damage you can deal in the long run, the better. And this is going to be directly tied to how much damage you do. If you keep the edge success, it will not end the combat with the left hand. It will not? It will not. Mm. But it's but it's good to give more damage in the long run, right? Yes. So do you want to deal more damage in the long run to the demon as a whole, or would you prefer to get this demon off your back right now? I will keep the edge success and deal more damage as a whole. Okay. The arrow that you let loose lodges itself in nothing and hovers not hovers because it swings slightly with the motion of the invisible fabric behind it just above where the dune used to be and from the tip of this arrow suddenly in the middle of the air fire begins to spread and there is an area probably like three or four square tissas that suddenly just is completely immolated. You feel something in this area begin to shake. Another extremely peculiar thing happens. Tissa, I would like you to roll me sensitivity focus. Nope, false. I've lied. I have lied to you. Daring focus. Oh, I get an extra die then. Uh, that looks like Two successes and one edge. If you keep the edge success, I will allow you to act this round. However, this will give you less information if you keep the edge success, but you'll be able to act this round. Yeah, give me the information. Okay. So, a circle of fire erupts around the arrow, and... The daemon, the left hand of the countess, howls in rage and sympathetic pain, despite being clear from the target. And Tissa is overwhelmed by a rush of words. And a rush of words is not quite accurate. Tissa is overwhelmed by a rush of narrative. As the veil is pierced, the dividing line between this space and the real world where time works normally. Suddenly, the force of around 
300 high noons floods into the space and into Tissa's mind. And you hear the last couple paragraphs of the record of the Magi. And you struggle to keep your mind working and focused on the combat while you can hear Hector's voice booming in the back of your head. And you do not ultimately succeed, but what you come to understand is this. These last centuries of this story have been about the great power that a stranger can have in a place, have been about the way a spark dropped into tinder can cause it to explode. The way that a single foreign object can utterly change what it's added to. The innocent wanderings of a stranger and the ripples those cause in destiny, like a drop of cream in otherwise perfectly dark coffee, completely and indelibly changes it. And you know this story. You're a magus, after all. Mm -hmm. But the first few words of these paragraphs were uttered centuries before you were born. And this is the first time you've heard them all together. Mm. Cobb, give me an adaptability focus roll, please. And Cobb gets a big old nothing. Uh, Yeah, no successes. That is not a great roll. Okay. Yeah, that is kind of a bad roll. Two things happen. First of all, Cobb loses two scatter. The ruby red eyes of the Countess's left hand lock on his in a fury. And as the fire blazes behind her, everything is suddenly red and Cobb can feel himself pulled away from himself. But he can also feel himself pulled away from the others. And for the next two rounds, Cobb is isolated, which means he can no longer move his turn. And that's the round which means it's Penelope's turn. And this is the last round of Penelope's fear effect, which means she cannot act unless one of you acts with her. Tissa is going to snap out of it. And since the two of you are together, um, come right up to the two of you. And I don't know if she has anything to say, but um, I think that you can feel the trust that the three of us have built up for each other. And with that, so Penelope's looking at the veil. Is there, um, so the fire is, is burning in a ring. What else, is there anything else to see? On the other side, it looks like wet stone. Is, is that the cave? Through this hole in the middle of nowhere, you can see stone. The fire is starting to go out around this ring, and where the veil remains, you've seen, it seems like you can see forever, endless dunes glittering in the lantern light. But within this ring, there is wet stone so close you could reach out and touch it. Oh. All right, I am going to... Uh, try to burn away the rest of the veil. I'm going to shoot one more arrow. Okay. Give me a roll. All right. Daring long range. Wow. 
Lots of threes. Um, one success. Okay, one success. Another arrow lodges itself, and it doesn't burn away quite as much of the veil, but you can still feel this place shudder as the arrow lodges itself in nothing. One of the mountains of coins lifts itself up again and begins to launch itself through the air past you guys at the the retinue of captives, but it is stopped because one of the dunes has um, taken shape. It has kind of lurched forward and great paws have emerged from it while a deep red magma glow seeps through. And what's happened is that our tracker, with her ability Lava Flow, which is why this took so long, has cast Irresistible Predator. Ooh. And this dune takes the shape of an enormous panther. Trackers are so cool. (laughs) That swats away the incoming stone and, like, kind of like hunkers down in front of Lily and the children. And that leaves Cobb. Cobb is going to uh, draw his sword and get ready to buckle some swash hair. Is that what Cobb does on his turn? <laughs> yeah, uh, Cobb is just going to, um, just gonna try and hit, hit her with the sword. Excellent. Two successes, one edge success. Um, if you keep the edge success, you will do more damage. However, you will find yourself with the demon between you and Tissa. I will take the edge success, then. That's actually the first anyone has struck the demon, and she hates that. There's an audible sound of tearing. And, uh, Penelope, the effect of fear has worn off on you, and I'm making you go because it's a new round. I'm going to shoot a fire arrow at the demon, and, um, I get two successes. Two successes will absolutely hit this demon, who, BT dubs, hates it. Mm, doesn't like it. Yeah, the arrow kind of buries itself in her chest, and the same effect happens that happened on the veil, that just fire spreads outward, leaving nothing. Leaving just kind of an empty hole in the middle of the stamen. The arrow clatters to the ground, having already done its worst. Well, so the demon is between me and Cobb. Yes. So I guess I will daring mid-range weapons. Okay. Two success, one edge. If you keep the edge success, you'll take a one die penalty on the thing she tries to do to you on her turn. I'll play it safe. Okay. Next is her turn. And I think she's going to, she's going to shift the dunes again. I would like Tissa and Penelope to make me Adaptability Athletics. Mm, one success. Bad. Two successes and one edge. If you keep the edge success, you'll be scared again next round. Nope. I'm <laughs> not doing that. Okay. Well, all right. I don't know. Be careful. She did two damage per point of shortfall for us last time. It's it's one per. Oh. But, yeah. Okay, so okay. that's not going to knock you off that. Yeah. Three damage to Penelope and four damage to Tissa? Oh, that will put Penelope up to ten then. Oh, Penelope fall over? Three damage? Oh, I'm at... I have I have one left. Okay. So, like, we're gonna... Are we gonna explore our unconsciousness mechanics this episode? Maybe. Perhaps. I might... I think I have an idea. Oh. Kirsten. Kirsten, sweetheart. 
I hate when you say that. <laughs> As a GM, it is terrifying to hear you say you have an idea. <laughs> Something wonderful is about to happen. Yeah. Um. Let's see. A big, big kitty. Oh, shit. A big, big kitty makes a big, big swipe at the demon. And <laughs> definitely she hates that. The stony magma cat takes a swipe and you can hear fabric tearing as its stone claws shred through her. And next is Cobb. Cobb is just going to uh, grab his saber here with both hands and raise it up. And he's just going to try and bring it down on this demon and see if he can't uh, see if he can't get her to stop being a demon and being bad. And that is four successes. Oh yeah, four successes. I'm not even going to bargain with you for that one. Four successes is going to shred through this demon. And what falls to the ground is a red silk veil with gold trim torn in two and burned in a place. (laughs) All the human form just collapses out of it and leaves just empty fabric. As it collapses, Penelope kind of like sort of sinks down. She's pretty exhausted. So the good news is there's a way out of here that's not the flute. Cobb is going to get one of the pieces of the silk uh, to take with him as a souvenir of sorts. I guess it's good. There's two of them. It is. No, Tissa was, was going to do the same thing if Cobb didn't. So <laughs> we, can, we can each have a piece. We can have, we can have a trophy together. Okay. So now my question, guys, is what do? Um, I'm going to roll a adaptability medicine because I assume I'm doing it with supplies on the fly to try to like patch myself up a little bit. Oh, my gosh. Three edge successes. Three edge successes. Oh, no. <sighs> okay. You're patching yourself up? Yeah. Since these are edge successes, you can restore with the first aid supplies that you brought three points of damage to somebody. But that's it. That's the end of the supplies you brought. Yeah. I'm going to, I, I, I got to make myself feel not as bad. How's everyone else doing? I think that that puts you, if you take away three, that puts you and I in six and Cobb at three, right? Yeah, Cobb's only at three damage, but uh, he's pretty pretty high on the scatter. Do we have anything for that? I don't think we've got anything to do that with. Like, right, there's centering is rests only. Uh, you can also spend a memory point to center somebody by two. Ooh. And actually, navigators have a lot of abilities for centering people. I can spend a memory point and I can teach you the song that I was humming when I was afraid. Because you like, like you're, you're a singing performer and uh, we can sing the song together. Oh, yeah, that sounds good to me. I like that. Yeah, it's a very sweet thing. Thank you, Penelope. Okay, so Cobb regains two scatter. Penelope regains three HP. And take a minute in front of this wet stone that smells like the sea and sounds like the sea to determine what we're going to do next. We should probably start gathering up everybody and trying to find a way out of this place. 
this is the this is the cave this is the cave but you see that it's the the cave outside where where we came from right yeah it, i mean it looks like it yeah in that case then let's let's start rounding up all of the kids and making sure that uh, we've got everybody who we found who's in here and let's try and get everybody uh, everybody out the out the door let's get out of this crazy place and yeah, if we can, let's get Lily involved in this as well. Get her uh, working, helping us move all of the kids out of here, and make sure that uh, we don't we're not leaving anybody behind, and everyone's getting out of this place okay. And Polly can can help as well. Yeah, I mean, you could probably stand to have the difficulty to hit you increased as well there, but <laughs> but um, Lily kind of nods. She jerks her hand away from one of the kids who has decided to grab it. She does not like being touched, mm. <laughs> but nods and grabs the burned hole and just starts wrenching it open and waving the kids throw. So I don't know. I don't know, but I think, I think that time isn't sick here anymore because Red, when you opened it up, I... I've never heard Tector speak like that. It's, it's like it came back. It came back? Like time came back. I heard, I heard him say words that happened before the mountains fell. Oh. Yeah. Jeez. Okay, so you guys are going with Lily and the kids outside? That's the idea. Okay. So... Lily tears open the burned hole in the veil, and you can see that it opens into what Cobb thought it was, that is to say, a dark sea cave. When you step out of this area, the water comes up to about your ankles, and it is kind of rippling in through somewhere, with steady pressure like a heartbeat against your legs. Looks like the tide's coming in. Mm. We'd better move quickly, that way we don't get flooded out. So, is the only way out by diving? No, you can see starlight through a gap in the rock. Okay. Okay, so we are going to start with the kids. One, uh-oh. Oh, these kids are rolling bad. Most of the kids get out just fine. Um, three of them, however, are kind of frozen. I'm going to use um, a memory piece to cast encouraging stars so that they see that those stars kind of help guide them. No, I mean, memory piece to use, why? Oh, yeah, you only need to do that if you... Yeah, I don't know why I was thinking that. Okay, anyways, yes. Yeah, I think um, maybe one scatter will kind of make the kids feel a little bit better about emerging into the outside world. Okay, sounds good. All right. So the last of the kids go through. Are you guys also going through? Uh, I think I think we should. I, I mean, I'm not feeling the greatest, even though I'm. It's not done. You know, patched up kind of, and we're out of supplies to patch up further. It's not. It's. The demon's still there. Hmm. It's. That's true. So. It's not done. We need to go back. All right. Yes. Yes. I. We can. We can do this. Yeah, we've still got work to do. 
Hey, Lily, can you take the kids uh, and make sure they're safe out of here? And Lily, Lily nods and kind of waves you off like she knows. And it starts ushering the children toward the hole. And climbs on out with them. Tob just sort of remarks, seems like she's done this sort of thing before. She seems good at it. She kind of like, I think she overhears this and she looks at you like, don't you dare. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> like, how dare you? And you can hear voices from outside. You hear the children kind of talking. You hear a familiar voice, which um, suddenly becomes extremely irritated <laughs> and uh, quite angry, actually, probably because he's sleepy, but who knows what's made him mad. Penelope, you hear a familiar bye <laughs> from outside. You hear everybody crawl back out into the starlight, but Tissa's right. You have more work to do here. And the three of you turn around and return to the inside of this space, which is bone dry and silent and littered with dunes. And now it's memory time. Hooray, memory Yay. time. Yay. That's how a pro does it. <laughs> <laughs> What's everybody's memories this week? I actually, it's not a specific thing, but it's just the whole battle in general, how we were like encouraging and working together and how like Tissa and Cobb kind of rushed over to help Penelope. It was, it was really sweet. I, I liked that. I liked that too. Well, that wasn't how I was expecting to be able to get out of here. But you have an entire other mystery like that's what's beyond the veil. And so I'm real intrigued. Yeah, I like I liked Penelope's problem solving. Yeah. <laughs> so Kathleen, what are um who's getting your memory point? Um I think I'd want to keep giving it to Kirsten because she's keeps being real spendy with them. She's real spendy with them, yeah. I like memory points. <laughs> okay, I forgot my memories. My memories included playing heroic card on the Roll for Change stream last weekend. I remember that. Yeah, I caught some of the stream. It was very sweet. I liked it a lot. It was really sweet. It was deeply wholesome. I thought you had a very adorable group gaming with you there, Kat. This is true. My players were the cutest. I, just, I don't know. This game attracts adorable players. Thank you guys for playing with me this week. Thank you. And thank you, audience, for listening. We love you. With all our hearts. And all our ADR. <laughs> if you want to return our love, you can do that over Twitter at Peach Garden RPGs or using the email form on our website. Uh, was there some? Oh, yeah. Peachgardengames.com. I forgot to say what the website. I knew. That's the I name of our website. It's peachgardengames.com. Yeah. Um, bye. Bye. Is this the time when we bye. Bye. <laughs>